it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode four of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, and I'm one of the coaches of the IWU men's basketball team. Today, we're going to go inside the father-son retreat. Each season, all of the players and their dads or mentors are invited to a weekend of fun designed to let dads see the inner workings of our program. This has taken us everywhere from West Virginia to Whitewater Raft, to charter boat fishing on Lake Erie, to a Chicago Cubs baseball game. Freshman Kyle Mangus and his dad Tim are going to share about their experiences from this year's trip to Hocking Hills, Ohio. In our second half, Coach T is going to share where the idea of this retreat came from and the impact it's had on our program over time. The I Am Third culture we're developing is built on relationships and shared experiences, and the father-son retreat is one of our favorite examples. We're joined now by Kyle and Tim Mangus, and as I sit here and, and talk with you guys, I think back to your sophomore year, Kyle, at Super Hoops, the first time we watched you play, and Tim yeah. standing and talking to you, and all the conversations and all the visits and and just a long recruiting process and getting to know your family and you, Kyle, really well throughout that process. Take us inside that. You obviously spent a lot of time around our program. What led you to really believe that this was the right fit for you? Um, yeah, so a lot of people have actually asked me um, about my recruiting process and how I ended up at IWU. And I told them it started really early in my high school career. Like I remember after my freshman year in the summer, we uh, were playing in Super Hoops camp, which is held by IWU. And that's when I first met Coach Tongle, Coach Clark. Um, and I just, you know, built a good relationship with them. They liked watching me play for sure. And um, we just kind of hit it off. You could say I probably came to campus like, 15 times throughout <laughs> yeah. my three years. I, I did two junkyards, which is might be the record for a, a recruit. So um, I knew even some of the players like Ben and Jacob even a little bit before I came. So, yeah, I just loved the culture of the program. I loved how IWU played. Um, I knew it could be a place where I could grow not only as a basketball player but spiritually. And I knew it would be a good fit for me socially too. I just really connected with the players um, whenever I was – Whenever I was in the locker room, you know, they just had a lot of the same interests as me. So I knew it could be a place where I could come in and, um, you know, just grow. And uh, there honestly wasn't a lot of other schools that I was interested in. I stood out by far. So I'm really happy I made my decision. It's funny to hear you talk about the the junkyards that you were a part of. Yeah. In our next episode, we're going to talk to some other players about their experience in the junkyard. Mm -hmm. And it's it can be an intimidating thing. And oh, yeah. we love to do it in the recruiting process because we love to see how a guy responds in that situation. There have been times we've stopped recruiting a kid because of how he responded. And the thing we remember about you is you never complained. You, you, you were just going to work and you were going to get it done. And over the course of these 15 visits, it, it feels like about 40 <laughs> yeah, if, you, if yeah. you ask me. Our guys just kept saying, this is a guy we have to get. This is a guy we have to recruit. Mm -hmm. Go go inside your mind when you're a recruit and you're going into a junkyard yeah. workout for the first time. Um, I'll be honest. The first time, I was pretty intimidated because <laughs> I was probably one of the weakest, scrawniest guys, especially in high school. But 
so I was like, I, I don't know what to think, but um, yeah, I just worked my hardest during it. And honestly, like the guys on the team brought me along. I just followed them and they, they brought me along and I was like, I made it. So yeah. Tim, you obviously developed a, a great relationship with us as well through the recruiting process. And then Kyle comes, moves away for the first time. He's here for a few months and you got to come on the father son retreat, something you'd heard about. Can you take us through your perspective as a father going through the recruiting process all the way up to the father center retreat and what you remember about that weekend? Um, it was a great opportunity. I think it's a tremendous tradition that you guys have established with that. And um, especially for me being a, a father of a freshman and, you know, I had met you guys, you met, meet some of the players on trips and, and we had been in numerous games. So, you know, you get to, meet guys superficially, but you don't really know the personalities and who they are. So um, being able to attend that, go through that and, and uh, go to the father son retreat and, and really see the personalities, you know, you see the players, but now you're seeing the personalities and then even better, the interaction of the, the players with each other and, you know, and then being new to it, how, where's my son fit? And, or, you know, how, how are they taking to him and everything? And so it was extremely encouraging uh, from that standpoint. Secondarily, it was great to meet the fathers, you know, I, I, being brand new, you know, I, it was wonderful to meet these guys, learn their backgrounds, learn their names. So, you know, we show up at the first game, you're not totally clueless of who everybody else is and, and be able to do that. So, uh, those things were great from a, a memory standpoint, you know, you're involved in probably the, the memory that I, I remember the most, the, after we finished our hike, um, and we were, I think they called it the lower falls down there. Remember, and everybody's hot and we'd been outside all day and there was a couple of guys up on a, you know, huge boulder. I don't know, 10 or 15 feet above the water, above the pool where the, the falls are coming in. And you can tell everybody's eye in it. Like, should we do it? I'm telling Kyle don't, don't jump in there. Don't, you know, you don't know what's under that water and guys start checking it. And then who's the first guy to get up there? You, <laughs> Coach Clark is the first guy to get on that and just jump off. And then it was a steady stream of guys, um, you know, finishing up with Pribble doing it. Jack a, Clark did it too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> finishing up with Pribble doing a, uh, you know, a back layout backflip into that water. And, uh, so that, that stuck out to me as, you know, kind of a specific memory, but in the big picture, it was just, an eye opener for me to, to see the culture and, you know, get an introduced to the culture and meet the guys. We really believe obviously <clears throat> the power of relationships, but shared experience and you can't manipulate a moment like that. It just has to happen when you're around each other. And what I remember about that was, I think it was Grant Smith that was on top of that rock and <laughs> yeah. he is not scared of anything, <laughs> no. but coach Tonigal didn't seem too excited about him being the first guy off. Yeah. And I thought if there's one person here who can not listen to Coach Donegal telling us no, I better be the guy to take the plunge. Yeah. Kyle, how about you? What, what were the uh, – if you had to look back and say a memory or two from that weekend and, and really how it shaped building unity as a team. Yeah. Um, so I think um, you can obviously look at the physical stuff we did, such as hiking, ziplining, you know, all that was great. But, like, one thing that stands out is – I don't remember which night it was, but we had a really nice dinner. Everyone was around the campfire. Um, I don't know what we had, steak or something like that. Like it was super good. But afterwards, we did a little de devotion, and um, it was based around the phrase, man, I got it good. Mm -hmm. So um, just hearing about that, I knew I knew Coach T Tonigal had used that before, but just kind of hearing what man, I got it good actually means. So 
different guys, different dads stood up and, you know, shared how, how they had it good. And honestly, um, during that trip, I think everyone just realized how thankful we were to be in a program like that, where everyone appreciates each other and, um, just wants to grow together. So, you know, after that father son trip, I was just super excited for the season. I couldn't wait not only for basketball, but just to go through life with a bunch of guys who I could call family. And it's, it's exciting to think about down the road. I think it's episode 20, yeah. the morning of the national championship game. And we'll revisit, man, I got a good with our dads, mm-hmm. but it's a powerful thing because when you're, when you're grateful for things, you stop complaining, you stop focusing on yourself. And it's a big part of the I am third culture. One of the moments I remember was from that same night around the campfire, Tim. And Coach Tonegal asked the dads about what they found joy in and watching their sons play. And you said something that night that I reflected on multiple times throughout the year. You remember that moment? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, uh, you know, what, what do we like to see or what do we what do we enjoy seeing about our son when they're playing? And I, I remarked that, you know, to Kyle's point, we had been coming to games for three years, so we got to see a lot of games. And I always enjoyed the enthusiasm that that the Iowa players they played with, they on the bench, everything. You know, the, the entire as they're on the court, all all the enthusiasm and attention to each other that they they paid there. And um, and so I, I mentioned that Kyle Kyle's a pretty quiet kid. <laughs> um, you know, as he played, he rarely showed any emotion and said it would be great. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Kyle show some emotion on the court, and I, I figured these guys would pull it out of him. And, of course, they did. And, and uh, you know, there's numerous opportunities with all the exciting games that, you know, that the team played this last year. And, um, you know, obviously the one at least steps up, stands out to me is the, the St. Francis, the very first mm-hmm. St. Francis game. And we really needed to beat them. We had fallen behind them and in the Crossroads League. And, um, it was Kyle, the last shot he took, I think we were up two, <laughs> yeah. and he shoots some crazy step back, almost falls into the stands, and the crowd goes crazy, and he just comes down the court with a big smile on his face. <laughs> I had never, ever seen him smile during a game, I mean, after a game or after a big win, but never seen him smile, and I don't know if a lot of people remember, the very next play, J.J. takes a charge mm-hmm. on a guy, and we get the ball right back, and Kyle's really near him, and he's just... The whole oh, team runs to JJ face. to pick it up. And they're screaming at him, and I'm like, "Okay, he, he's in it. He's he's part of it now." And uh, so, you know, there was numerous plays and shots, and you know, opportunities to scream for, uh, have you know, be enthusiastic for plays he made, as well as you know, making plays for teammates, whether it's throwing alley oops or guys taking charges. It, it was great. It was absolutely great. We're actually going to go into detail with Kyle on episode 14 about that game. But sometimes people ask, what's going through a coach's mind in a moment like that? And I'll be honest, there were multiple times this year, including that moment you described, Kyle makes a shot and gets excited, and my mind goes back to the campfire. And I'm thinking about what you said. And I know I should probably be locked in on what defense we're in, but I thought about that specific comment you made multiple times during the year. And it was really fun to watch that develop. And we'll be talking to other players throughout the the podcast, the pursuit about what they saw in Kyle and how he grew. Tim, to finish this, you know, we're we're recording this now after the season. And listeners are going to go through the journey of the entire season with us. But now you've been involved with your son in the program for a full year. You've gone behind the scenes at the father-son retreat, devotional times on the morning of the national championship game. Now that you've been immersed in the culture, what would you say about the I and third culture of the, the program? 
you know, it, it, it is tremendous. And you, you, you hear it, you see the logos, the T-shirts, everything else. But to be able to sit through some of these meetings, especially in the national tournament, the, the morning before the Final Four game on Saturday and then the morning of that uh, the national championship game, both of those, you guys allowed us as fathers to come in. You had administrators, boosters, grandparents. I mean, you know, there was a lot of us in there. And to, to see the players talk and, and share and – the IM3, I mean, it's that's total counter to the culture we live mm-hmm. in right now. To you know, to 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 play for God and to play for your your teammates. Where you know, a lot of kids, a lot of kids at this point, I mean, they're happy to get you know uh, some fancy crossover go viral. I mean, it's all about me. It's all about look at me and and so to see it reinforced behind the scenes, so to speak, at these at the team meeting slash devotionals where there's there's guys getting up and, you know, pouring out their emotions and sharing in small groups and, and, you know, even, even guys, even the managers getting up there and talking about how they feel part of the team. I mean, I don't think there was a dry eye, you know, during some of those, uh, those talks, you know, right before you're going into a championship game. And, you know, for me, the way I was coached and raised total opposite of that, you know, it was a, you know, just total opposite of you were playing in fear, you know, playing not to make mistakes and, you know, the coach dictated what you do. There wasn't the sharing and the communication that um, that you guys, you know, promote with these kids. And I um, and, and most of it's led by the, the kids, by the players. You know, you guys facilitate a topic or some discussion, you as coaches, but the, the, the guys step up and the way they talk and what they say is just unbelievable for, for guys that are, uh, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. It's unbelievable to listen to them. So, um, it just reinforced, like I said, you, you see it, but it reinforces what you're, uh, what you're hearing about the program when you're right there. And, you know, a lot of folks, Kyle was talking about recruiting and even now about, you know, Kyle going to school here. And I, I just look at him and say, I was a destination. That's a destination program. You should want to go there. It's not, a, you know, it, it's, it's a destination, just like other D1 programs. And, and um, you know, we couldn't feel more blessed that he's part of the program. And one of the funnest things to watch, as you mentioned, is to see guys emerge in leadership. So Jacob and Ben, for example, this year, the perspective they had at 22, I think back to what I was doing my senior year at college. I couldn't even dream of saying the things they said and leading the way that they're leading it's so fun as a coach to watch guys emerge into their own personality and to, to think about Kyle doing that over the next couple of years, something we're really excited. And a lot of it comes from some of these experiences like the father-centered tree. And that's what we'll talk about in the second half with Coach Tonegal. He'll come on and talk about not only the father-centered tree, but other experiences we share as a team and, and how they contribute to the culture of the program. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. 
We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined again by Coach Greg Tonegal talking about the father-son retreat. This is a countercultural idea for a basketball program. Where did it come from? Probably my favorite weekend of the year, uh, to be honest with you. And it started um, was having problems connecting with a player on our team. And I think he had issues with authority. And, and the more I wrestled with it, I, I just didn't have any solutions. And to be honest, I was mowing my yard one day and just praying about it. And the Lord just gave me this idea about a father-son retreat. And like like the Lord usually does, he began to piece it together and eventually ended up bringing a uh, supporter into our program who, who makes this possible, who really believes in, in the father-son relationship and dynamic. And I think as we'll talk about, it's pushed um, this relationship, but our, our entire program to a new level. I remember when you brought that idea to the staff and my first response was to push back thinking that there would be guys on the team whose fathers may not resonate with the idea or there may be guys who don't have fathers. Over time, you've obviously proved me wrong in this, but there was some fear of that at the beginning. How has that played out? I think we all had that, that fear too. Like, well, what if uh, a couple dads don't want to come? Um, what if a couple sons feel a little awkward with their dads? And, and the reality is everybody's at a different place relationally. But I think the other reality is everybody wants a relationship with their dad. And even if we had a dad that couldn't make it, we've had male figures fill into uh, those roles and and what we've seen both the son's desire just to spend some quality time with their dad and go deeper to move maybe the conversation beyond performance and into just life and, and into some deeper things and as a dad and, and I think both you and I would attest to this now there's probably nothing more rewarding than having a, a good conversation with your son that is more than just sports that that goes into life that goes into God that that just explores all these these other areas of life, and uh, I think that's what this this weekend is about. One of my favorite examples is Joel Okafor, who we'll hear his whole story in episode nine. But his father's over in Nigeria, so Dr. Keith Newman, who was the pro or the executive vice president here at the time, is now president of Southern Nazarene. They formed this amazing relationship where Joel basically looked to him as a father here on campus, and he would come, and, and they got to connect at a deeper level. Give us a an idea of some stories or experiences that we've shared on the father-son retreat over the past eight years? So we, we try to plan the father-son retreat around three things, food, stories, and adventure. I mean, every dad loves food. Every dad can tell a good story. And every dad would love to adventure with their son again, regardless of how old he is. And, and one of my stories is we went whitewater rafting in West Virginia, which was the ultimate adventure for all of us. I believe it was class five rapids there. And one of our dads, uh, big Dave Mahern, Lane, and RJ both played for us, big fellas, post players. Well, Dave's an even bigger guy, and uh, he fell out of the raft and um, in a class four rapid. And I think all of us for a moment <laughs> did not know if life would continue on. And we did our best to get him back in, but we could not. And the only calm person in the whole bunch was Dave himself. The rest of us were, were having a hard time with that. And we, we literally drug him through the rapids until we got to shore and we laughed about that forever, just seeing the look on his face. But it kind of set the stage for that whole weekend. That's what we did. We laughed with our dads. We told stories with our dads. And it's something, to be honest with you, I think everybody will look back on when, when, when things really matter, when, when they're old in life and they're looking back. 
They'll say that was one of the best weekends I had. That was one of the most worthwhile times that I spent because I got to know my dad better and he got to know me better. It's always special after adventure at night to sit around the campfire, tell stories of the day, make fun of each other. It's something we look back on throughout the season when we're in hard times and in good times. When dads come to the game, we tell stories of it all year long. What's the impact you think it's had on our program over time? Well, everything in our program is set around relationships, and we're, we're trying to just to drive those deeper and deeper. And there's no more important relationship than the, the earthly father-son because it teaches us about the heavenly father-son relationship. And I think over time, what we see is young men who become more secure, who become stronger, uh, it's part of this fearless idea because your dad has such a big uh, role in your life as it comes to as it pertains to you becoming a fearless man. And we just see men who are strengthened. And over time, men who are strengthened end up being uh, just stronger. I am third leaders. This program also wants to influence all the people who are around. It. And that includes the dads. We want the dads to be drawn into the I am third culture. Do you have any stories of fathers who may have been influenced by how they were connected on these trips? Yeah, there's one that'll always just be in my mind. And it years ago, we had two dads. Um, one, one dad had shared just just a struggle he had in life, and it was it was he was pretty vulnerable that night with all the dads. But he also was talking about what the Lord had done and how the Lord had delivered him in this um, certain situation. Well, it wasn't, buddy. About a year and a half later, another dad fell upon some hard times in a very similar way in a similar pattern. And this dad had thought he'd reached rock bottom, but the dad who showed up that morning at his door to talk to him, to comfort him, to help get him counseling was the dad who first shared on that trip. And it just, to me, just really spoke to the power of community, right? We share with each other our strengths and our weaknesses because somebody's going to rely upon those in a time of need. And when that time came, there was a dad there waiting to help him out. The pursuit of three is countercultural. And in many ways, our entire program is built on countercultural ideas like deeper relationships. Another one is that it's a pattern of our program to invite people in, whether it's dads, godly men that we know, leaders. Why is this so important? I think everybody wants to be on a team. I mean, if you reflect back on your, your favorite seasons of life, it's when we are on teams. It's when we are in locker rooms. And unfortunately, that, that passes at some point. Uh, we graduate from college. We move on. We get a real job. But we never graduate and move on from the desire to be around other men. And life is really hard to find other men. But those who find true community and those who build their lives around accountability with other men have such a better chance of being successful in all areas of life. And so we've tried to center the program around that idea and that concept. We're back for overtime with Coach Tonigal. We got a question coming in from iwhoops.net backslash the pursuit. Coach T, JT asked this question. How did you respond as a coach when you found out Jacob was considering quitting? Jacob talked about this on episode two, how there were times during his career where he thought about giving up basketball. What were you thinking in those moments? I still remember it. I was on vacation. This was in August, so you got to think school was less than uh, four weeks away from starting. And uh, it ruined my vacation because I heard it from somebody else. And I'd kind of been through this with Jacob before. And this wasn't one of those situations when I called him where it was like, hey, I want you to consider this. I said, Jacob, this ain't happening. I know you. Uh, we've had these talks. I know your teammates. Season's right around the corner. You're going to stick this out. And uh, it wasn't a very fun conversation. But I think at that time, uh, I had to deal with him pretty directly. And we had a pretty good relationship to, to which I could do that. And thankfully, he responded well, gave it a second thought, and decided, all right, 
for whatever reason, I don't feel like it. And obviously we can't always make our, our decisions on feeling. He knew his commitment was to this program and to his teammates. And now obviously Jacob's so glad for that leadership and that decision he made. And remember, you can ask a question to Coach T or any of our players, hashtagging Ask IW Hoops on any social media platform or by going to iwhoops.net backslash the pursuit. On our next episode, we're going to be interviewing Sam McCracken and Michael Zitney about the challenge of transitioning to IWU. In that moment, I was like, maybe I just am not cut out for this. Maybe I'm not like ready for this. Maybe I'm sh- I should stop playing basketball. Like when I met with uh, the coaches, you guys have saw me uh, grow from since I got to here at IWU in December just to that point. And just like, you were not going to let me quit. You were not going to let me give up or anything like that because you saw the potential. You will hear from these two and Coach Tonegal about junkyard workouts, comfort zones, and more. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, Hashtag ask Hoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Hoops. Join us next time right here.